Welcome back to another episode of the Think Deeper podcast. I'm your co-host, Will Harib, joined by Jack and Joe Wilkie. Uh, we've got a great episode lined up for you guys today. Um, kind of talking about self-care, self-love. Obviously, that's been in the public consciousness quite a bit over the last few years. And so we're talking about what that looks like from a Christian perspective here in just a second. Um, I did want to say before we got started, guys, I, I had a revelation the other day that it, one of the first times that I felt legitimately old I, I still feel very young. Of course, I'm far younger than you guys, but man, far. something happened the other far younger. Yeah. Something happened the other day where I was like, man, I'm getting old. And it's when I realized oh. that that fall is now my favorite season <laughs> growing up. That was something that always I'd be like, yeah, the old people always say that I, I was firmly in the summer is the best season. Oh, yeah, camp. Summer. yeah, exactly. And then this year I realized, no, fall or autumn is better. It's a better season. And that's when I was like. Man, I'm 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 officially in the old club because again, I've heard you guys, I've heard my parents say that for years, and it's like, okay, that's just what old people think. No, I, I, it's true. Fall is the best season, but I guess I'm an old person now. Welcome in. I'll make sure to laminate your card um, <laughs> and, and give it to you for your wallet. The first time you go on a foliage drive is when the gray hair sets in. Yeah, exactly. exactly it. I'll tell you what. There are some gorgeous drives down here for our listeners who aren't in Tennessee. Come to the Natchez Trace uh, in October. Beautiful blow your mind i mean just it is gorgeous or if you go to the smoky mountains it's really difficult to not find a beautiful uh piece of scenery in in uh, tennessee this time of year you're absolutely right it's interesting you say that i've never really i never really thought about <laughs> that's the transition summer was always fun because you stay up late obviously school no school you're up for school but you know even coming out of school it was still a exuberant time and now especially with kids and my kids aren't even that old i I'm going to dread summers here in like a decade. I got to be honest with you. Like <laughs> I see these families that I work with or, or families at church where every single weekend there's something like fall is just nice. It's relaxed. There's just so many good here. things about it. You've got the the hoodie weather. You've got the yeah. the cooler temperatures. You've got obviously football. The, the best sports season is in the fall and just, yeah, just, it's just better. I don't even, I don't even think I told you this. Um, did I tell you what Harrison got for his fifth birthday? Mm-mm. He's the coziest kid ever. He, he loves fall. So he's already skipped to the old man card, I guess. He oh wanted, I'm not, I'm not kidding you. He wanted his own fireplace. We got him an electric fireplace for his birthday. <laughs> and he sits in front of it in his room. I'm not kidding you. He sits did in you front get of him it a, in his room. With his did you get him a cane and a walker as well? Get some depends. He goes straight from, straight from the pull-ups to depends basically. No. Um, that is so it, cool though. It is wild at five years old, how much he loves coziness and loves fall. But Fall is nice. We decorate. Yeah, it's it's good stuff. So that's awesome. So Harrison is in the fall is the best uh, season. Category. Harrison's I, in the I, old I man think, club. Yeah, I think I would be a spring guy if if in Tennessee springs weren't so quick. Spring is like three weeks mm-hmm. here in Tennessee before it goes basically straight to summer. And so fall, I think you definitely get more of the lengthier season. But I guess that's enough about the season rankings. Um, Joe, if you want to kind of get us into uh, what we're talking about today with self love and self care. Sure. Sure. So today's culture is fascinated with this concept. Uh, You hear it a lot. I'm a therapist. I say this a lot. Self-care, 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 right? And I think this culture and where we are currently pushes self-care more than any time in history. What's also interesting is we're deeply unhappy. We may be some of the most unhappy people, specifically in America. We push it the most than anybody, more than anybody in the world. 
more than anybody in history. And yet we are at a time where we are just uniquely very deeply unsatisfied with life, deeply unhappy. Suicide rates are on the rise. I mean, there's a lot of problems with it. And I think we're trying, you know, so here's the, here's the question and really what we wanted to get into on the discussion today. Is the rise of self-care contributing to a lack of self-care, basically, to the suicidality, to the, you know, the, the unhappy levels that we're seeing? Or is that a call for more? the cause or is it the cure basically and i think that's an interesting question that we want to hit today and then we also want to look at it from the world's point of view and we want to look at it from a christian point of view because the world's point of view is you know just go shopping and, and give yourself whatever you want and a lot of people drown their sorrows in alcohol and say self-care and they they well, basically they self-care is the it's the pinnacle like it, it trumps everything exactly. your self-care exactly. is at the top so we want to kind of delve into this as to you know, looking at the issue from a God, godly point of view and, and from what God wants us to do. Does God want us to just give, 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 have no boundaries? I don't think that's right, but we want to flesh out what that looks like because I think God also doesn't want us setting boundaries around literally everybody in life because, quote unquote, self-care. There's a lot of back and forth on this, a lot of nuance, and I'm starting to see one of the reasons we wanted to hit this is we're starting to see the divergence from godly and worldly self-care. And Christians leaning like way away from that. And we're not even supposed to think about ourselves to the world being incredibly selfish and going way off the rails with it. And I think there is a balance to be struck and the church needs to do a better job. The world obviously is not going to do a better job. They are in selfishness. The world, the, the church rather needs to do a better job of bringing that back around and really understanding what self-care is. I remember being in the airport so, a few years ago this, and this girl walked by with a shirt that just says more self-love. I was like, more? Like we're the most self-interested people of all time. What, what are you talking about? And we're going to get to the first Timothy or the second Timothy three verse, you know, lovers of self. We're going to get to that later on. But it was just kind of, I remember seeing that and it, it's, you know, self-love, self-care. We're getting going to get into all of this, but I mean, there just kind of is that as you said, it's kind of the, the peak of what we're supposed to do. Like uh, that's almost what we live for, for some people. Yeah. yeah. Joe, I don't, I don't know if you want to, and and I apologize if you've got this on the outline later, kind of talk about the difference between those two. Cause we're, we're somewhat using those interchangeably and I don't think they're necessarily interchangeable. And so, yeah. uh, you know, you having the therapy background, you're going to be the best qualified to describe the difference between those before you get to the history of, of, of self-care. When we say self-love as opposed to self-care, what is the difference and, and how do most people need to be thinking about them, at least as we're defining them? Sure. So the way the world defines it, I think, is is fairly obvious. It's a very selfish, you know, whatever's going to make you happy. Um, so the difference between self-love and self-care, I think their self-care can lead towards self-love or can help you in your self-love. Self-love doesn't necessarily equal self-care. And what I mean by that is self-love is you genuinely love yourself. And, and there is a difference. And this is why we're going to hit this later in the outline of the second Timothy two verse or three verse two of lovers of self. I think there's a difference between loving yourself the way that Ephesians five, Hey, husbands, love your wives as you love yourself, treat others as you have them treat you. There's this concept of like, well, of course I'm okay with myself. And because I want to be treated this way and because I love myself, I'm going to love my wife even more right? It, that assumes you're starting at this place of you do love yourself. Now the world looks at self-love and it's selfish. It's I'm going to do whatever I want. That's not really self-love. Self-love is not getting walked on all the time. Self-love is, is again, the opposite of self-loathing, the opposite of like, 
I hate myself and therefore I'm going to do these things. And you see self-loathing in addiction. You see self-loathing in low self-esteem. You see self-loathing in, in social anxiety. That's all really stemming from self-loathing of, I don't think I'm enough. God is what helps us feel like we're enough. That's really where self-love comes from is God loves us and with an inexplicable love. We didn't earn it, We, but we also can't really lose the love of God. Um, we can lose his favor. We can fall from grace, no doubt, but he still loves us. He still cares for us. He still is calling us unto him the same way that the father with the prodigal son. We can't lose that love. That's really where self-love is going to be based, and we'll get into the discussion a little bit later. Self-care, on the other hand, is just the actions you take to take care of yourself. Basically, it's it's getting your needs and not necessarily your wants. That's the transition between the world and 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 the way we're looking at it is the world says self-care is do what you want. You need to meet your wants, your desires. I don't agree. I think self-care is meeting your needs. So taking on 30 projects, that's not what you need. However, going and helping so-and-so, that's what you, you may not want to do it, but that's what you need to do. So self-care is doing what you need to do. Going shopping and spending $1,000 on your credit card is it may be what you want to do. It's not what you need to do. What you need to do is get on the phone and talk to your parents who you haven't talked to in three years and you're really struggling. That's what you need to do. And so self-care looks very different when you're taking those concepts. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I'd say so. Um, I don't know if you want to go ahead and, you know, you, you put the outline together. So I think you're going to be the best. best yeah, I'm talking a lot. Talk, sorry. That's okay. But kind of about the history of self-care because as I started the episode describing, this was not really a big topic of discussion. Goodness, even a decade ago, maybe, maybe it was starting to get into the zeitgeist 10 years ago, but certainly past that, that wasn't really something that was the topic of podcasts, for instance, or articles and things like that. Now, it is in the public consciousness so much more. So I guess to set you up here on, on kind of going into the history of it, what do you think created this this vacuum, I guess, if you will, this, this gaping hole that self-love and self-care has kind of filled in people uh, that they needed, that they crave it, that again, it's a talking point now. Why didn't it, why didn't it exist? At least the concept exists 15 years ago. That's a great question. What what changed in 15 years, I think the rise of mental health being less stigmatized um, gave rise to people asking certain questions. And, and it, it happened to coincide with the rise of the internet and the rise specifically social media. Uh, when you consider Facebook, right. Twitter, all of those things really, I wouldn't say peaking in 2009, but very much like this is where everybody started to recognize, oh, there are these things like YouTube, I think it started in 2005 and Facebook started around 2004, 2005, and they're starting to get big around 15 years ago. Um, I think there's a strong correlation there, but you have to go all the way back. Like self-care used to just be survival. You did what it took to survive. You go out into the, uh, into that the was wild your self-care, and, right? Yeah, exactly. You shoot the deer and bring it home to your family, like self-care. I mean, if you survive <laughs> the day, good for you. Nowadays, you know, with the rise of industrialism and, and labor unions, five-day work weeks, eight-hour days. Henry Ford was a big proponent of this. He's the one that kind of changed it and went to the five-day work weeks. There's a fascinating article I was reading on this. And they were making the case that he really changed things. Because before, it's like 10-hour workdays, six days a week. I mean, there's just no... I mean, you could basically work yourself to death. What time do you have for quote-unquote self-care when you're working all the time? You don't have time for anything else. And you really didn't have money for anything else. Well, he started paying his workers more, five, $5 a week, and which was fantastic at the time, double what the average was. And um, that gave them time. And also with the, I think he did five, nine-hour days. So still 45-hour weeks, but 
drastically different. So now they have some money, they have some spare money, and they also have some time to use it. That starts to create this culture of, oh, that's interesting. The roaring 20s come right after this, and there's lavishness and the Great Gatsby and everything comes out of it. You're also coinciding with new inventions as you hit the 40s, the 50s, the 60s. This is making life easier. This is giving us more time. Now, the housewife that stays home has vacuum, has has a dishwasher, has things like this. And I don't know the exact years of when these things were invented, so nobody uh, get mad at me. Well, the dishwasher wasn't invented till 1970. I don't know. I don't care. My point is there's multiple inventions making life easier, which gives you more time to do things. When you have more time, how do you fill it? You start looking around. Am I happy? Am I happy? Coincide with the rise of mental health. A lot of the mental health professionals. Yeah, you had Freud back in the early 1900s, 1800s, 1900s, um, and Carl Jung and guys like that. But Rogers and and you know some of the and Erickson and those guys that really took off for mental health and really brought it into the public consciousness were the 60s, the 70s, into the 80s and such. And so for perhaps the first time in history, people are asking, "Am I happy?" You didn't have time to think about this before. You just didn't right. you had time to think about, is my family taken care of? Have, you know, am I working enough? Is my, is maybe somebody happy with me so I don't lose my job? But am I happy is you just don't see that concept a whole lot in history. You see some, sure, the Stoics and going back to the Greeks. But once again, same problem there. Tons of time on their hands. Tons of time. Well, now we have a ton of time from inventions and things like that. This leads to things like no-fault divorce. This leads to things like you know, having this and am I happy and asking these questions, instant mood boosters, antidepressants and porn and sugary foods that spike the dopamine and all sorts of things can, that we didn't really have. Even something as simple as the TV. I mean, like with that extra time, the family sits around the TV all night. Yeah. And so that's exactly it. You know, so technology comes in. You have the TV. Now we have iPads. Now we, we're never not connected and we get into the social media age. And in the social media age, the, the question seems to shift from am I happy to am I happy as so-and-so. Well, well, that's a big shift. Interest, interestingly about this, I was listening to a podcast the other day where the, the guy, he, he, he made a point and he said that to some extent it's natural for kids. And he was talking more so about adolescents and teenagers. He said it's natural for them to only see the world from their perspective, kind of a self-centered thing. And I got to thinking about it. I was like, I don't think that that's always been the case. I think that is a very recent thing. You think about in the 1800s, you think about the the prairie days or whatnot. You really think the, the 12 and 13 year olds were th that their life was revolving around themselves, that they were operating just out of their own perspective. I don't think so. I think back then those were the times where kids were being raised under the pretense of you're a part of a family. You're going to work for the family. You're, we are, we're, we are a, a group of people working together. They were a part of communities. They were part of churches, of course, way more back then. And kids understood that a lot more. There wasn't near as much time to, to think about themselves. Now you do see kids where, you know, their, their whole world revolves around, like you said, Joe, their next dopamine hit. I mean, kids that are, Literally, their days consist of when do they get to play the iPad next? When do they get to play yeah. video games next? That hasn't always been the case. And so I, I do think that that is an interesting if you, interesting thing to look at and consider as, as you look at the the way kids have been raised and, and the way that they operate now versus the way they operated even 100 years ago. They were a part of a family, a community, a church, a school. And so they didn't view the world just at the end of their nose. 100 years later down the road, 120 years where we are now. That's pretty much what all of them do. It's it's about them. It's about it's about their what what they enjoy doing and what they want to do. 
no wonder we've got a society full of adults that are obsessed with self-care. That's very interesting. I think you're spot on in that. Yeah, it was us care, really. You're part of a system, a system. And what do we struggle with most nowadays? Everybody's trying to figure out where they fit into the system, interestingly, which is uh, the Enneagram and MBTI and Myers-Briggs and, and things like that is everybody wants to fit into a system, but that's only because we don't naturally have one from exactly as you said, church and family and smaller societies and neighborhoods and such. We don't have that anymore. So everybody still is clinging for that because we want to be part of a community. Self-care arises out of nobody feeling connected to a community. When you are very connected to your family, you don't have the need quite as much. However, here's what I'd say to that. I think this is why, to, to say, I think this is why the church really looks down on self-care as they're looking at all of these problems and all of these these issues saying, yes, this is very selfish. You know, why don't we get back to people focusing more on the church and focusing more on the family? And that's true, but here's the difference. The reason it's important, the reason this, this discussion matters and why I think that we have to take a different approach than we always have in the church is because we're in a different time than we've ever been. And what I mean by that is... Again, it used to be survival. It used to be self-care used to be just kind of built in naturally. When the sun goes down, you stop working. When you get home, you don't take work home with you. Um, you go home and, and maybe you cook a meal with your wife or you sit down, you have some really good family time. There is no TV. Maybe you have books. It's too dangerous to stay out late. You got to get home, horse and buggy, right? You can't be uh, ripped off in the middle of the night. You can't be beaten on your way home. Like, so you better get home. You got to get Make sure that things are taken care of. Make sure the kids are taken care of. Like, and there's nothing to do. Therefore, there's a lot of, you know, your work, 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 work. But then when it stopped, it stopped. And that's basically your life. And so they didn't either, so, they didn't have time to think about self-care or their self-care was naturally built in by, again, the sun going down and them not having electricity or not having cars or things like that. So we live, you know, we look at it and say, well, we live in an incredibly privileged society. We do. And well, these are all first world problems. Yes, but there are times where this is going to sound really, really bad. The primitive life does sound nice from time to time, not having to, you know, go out and, and hunt animals every single day. But just the idea of this is why but not the, knowing what the term inflation means. Right. <laughs> correct. You look at people around the world and this is going to sound terrible. I'm, I'm going to get flamed for this because it's like this is such a first world problem. I've been I've, I've been fortunate to travel the world. I've been fortunate to go to third world countries, probably second world countries, whatever you want to say, and first world countries. And they, every single time, third world countries are happier. They yeah. see we are just we can't figure out how to be happy in America, and we are so blessed. Yes, we're also cursed. They have a harder life, you know, day to day in terms of maybe they have to walk a long ways to get water, things like that. But the problems of the day are thinking about survival, whereas we in the Maslow's hierarchy of needs are traveling up to self-actualization. People in the bush don't have time to think about self-actualization. And this is where we really spin off into, you know, and I'm not saying that in a, in a bad way. I'm just saying they are taking yeah. care of their needs. Maslow's hierarchy of needs. They're worried about safety and they're worried about. They're food. still they're on step about... one is essentially Correct. what you're saying. Correct. And so they don't really have time to think about the higher needs, quote unquote. This is first world problems, as we say. That's also what creates deeply unhappy people is we do have time to focus on those things. Everything else is met. And so we're starting to hit the mental health of like, now I can think about trauma. Now I can think about how my life has been affected. Somebody that is worried about where they're going to get their water every day doesn't have time to focus on traumas. And for that, in a way, they kind of all, and, and I'm not saying that they live easier existences. I can't imagine what that would be like. 
but it does provide different problems. And we can beat ourselves up so much and go, why aren't we happy? We're focusing on problems like inflation. We're focusing on problems like, you know, social media that is exploded and we know what everybody's doing at all times. It's information overload and that creates deeply unhappy people. And I think it's time that we stop beating ourselves up for, you can't figure out how to be happy. I have 10,000 more worries in the day, not as weighty, not as weighty, not near as weighty. However, you have three concerns in the day that are incredibly weighty, or you have 10,000 concerns that aren't as weighty. Which one's going to be more happy? Do you see what I mean? Does that make sense? Jack is smiling the entire time. Well, I'm just listening to you rewrite the Unabomber Manifesto live on air. <laughs> well, thanks. <laughs> no, but I mean, if oh, goody. that's one of those that when you say the Unabomber Manifesto, you expect, oh, there's a crazy person. Like, no, this is one of the most intelligent people our society's ever produced who was messed up through government experience. I mean, like there's, it's a whole backstory, but like that was the, the premise. It starts off with the industrial revolution and its consequences has been a disaster for the human race or something like that. And that we are, we're over socialized, over stimulated over, over everything. Like everything that you just said is like, we've been presented this set of problems and our interactions with each other have totally changed. And, and essentially he's, his point is saying everything that we've created for ourselves has almost broken people's brains. And, and this, you know, he wrote this before social media and social media has just dialed that up to a 10 uh, in, in ways that I don't think he even could have seen coming. And so, um, yeah, no, it, it's not to justify any of the, uh, the crazy stuff he did, but it is one of the most fascinating things you'll ever read. It's not that long. Uh, I, I would highly recommend it for this specific discussion. And when, when you say first world problem, I know the meaning of that is usually like, a problem you know it's supposed to be like you said a minor problem it's not you have to find where food is but no it literally it's a first world problem it's a it's a problem we have to deal with that is a real thing yeah. and so i don't think that should be overlooked and we have again no, we have ten thousand of those we don't have three to five problems a day of trying to solve it we have ten thousand problems we're trying to solve to, to even as much as driving on the street getting in your car and driving down the street we don't think of that as a worry I take my life in my hands every time I get behind my wheel. I don't know what people are going to do. That's that's one of those yeah. that is it in my consciousness? No, subconsciously I know that's a weight. You know, thinking about inflation, thinking about um, working for you know whatever's going to happen, thinking about the government and what they're going to do, and thinking about so, vaccines and COVID. I mean, all of those things compound problems, which create our need for self care. That's what I was going to get at, Joe. Is like. You're building this career, I guess, building this case as to why self-care is so talked about now. And one might argue is needed now when it wasn't 100 years. Is that kind of the, your, your yes. overall premise there is what you're because that, that's that's the, what we're building towards here. And so I actually was curious. I wanted to get all of us on the record. Joe, you asked a question as you were introing this and you phrased it so well. And so if, if you got it written down or something, go ahead and cut me off. Basically, like. Is the constant discussion about self care? Is it a man? I'm trying to figure out the way you put it. Is it like a, a is it cause, the cause or, is or the cure? I think it's what yeah, I said. Like basically, I do we need do we need more or less or something? It's like I'm I'm curious what to get to get all of us on the record because my take on it is actually that I don't think more self care is the cure. I, I mm. do think a lot of the focus on it is the cause of, of why we're in the state that we're in. And it's the simple reason of it's just more time you're spending thinking about yourself. Hmm. I hear like, again, I, I agree with everything that, that you guys just talked about with the, 
the the times we're living in and the fact that you know we've got more mental burdens on our brain and things to think about i think most people are going to be served better if they think about themselves less and i don't mean that they, you know they don't think about the way that the world affects them and how they're going to take care of what i mean is I, I simply think all this focus on am i happy what do i want you know the question we talked about before are you fulfilled in your job all these things I think it's just a, an overbalance of focusing on yourself. And so again, Joe, the way you phrased the question, I should have jumped on it when you, when you talked about it earlier, I didn't know what, cause it was very much a, which side of the coin do you fall on? And I think I fall on the side of the more we focus on it, the more harmful it is. I really do think that, like, I, I think if we spent more time focusing on man, be, be, be centered in your life around your faith, around your family, around your values, around your work, that, that's what you need. And not, not that you don't need to take care of yourself, but I, I guess I, I'll sum it up to say the more we focus on it, I do think the more harmful it is. Does that make sense? That would be the side yep. that I would fall on. I think Jack, I want to know your side. When we misdiagnose a problem, then our the, the medicine we give the problem is not going to be the right one. And I think we're misdiagnosing the problem of, of you know why people feel like they need self-care more than anything. It's because we, and Joe, this is right to the point of everything you, you like to talk about. It's just, we're a staggering lack of friendship, a staggering yeah. lack of, of relationship. Loneliness. Companionship. Yeah. Lo yeah. I mean, it's just loneliness more than anything else. And so our solution for that is go by yourself, uh, you know, uh, some candles and go sit in the bathtub with a book by yourself, get away from everybody for three hours. Your solution to loneliness is getting by yourself. I mean, like that's the, the, the wrong solution. And so I really feel like some of the things in Ecclesiastes for a man to enjoy his work, but you've got your family, you know, you've got, uh, you know, your wife and kids, you got friends, whatever you've, you've got those, those people that you can just relax and, and chill out around. I think that would go a long way towards making people happier. And so again, the, the self-focused, I had a really good point and now it's disappearing because I'm not, well, let's real quick today, before but, Joe uh, gives, go ahead. Real quick before Joe gives his side to kind of illustrate this. I don't know if you guys saw, there was like a kind of a, a, it was on Twitter. It's a TikTok on Twitter. I'm not on TikTok, but I saw it on Twitter kind of went viral about this woman talking about how amazing it was that she didn't have kids because of all the things like it was a Saturday. Did you see this Joe? That's and so she bad. talked about how there were these shows that she got to watch. She got to sleep in. She could go get, I don't remember some fancy, you know, Karen type of food. Um, and then she got to catch up on all these shows and every single one. And basically her point was you parents with kids aren't, aren't able to do that. I am, so don't look down on me, you know, basically kind of bragging about the fact that she had all this free time because she didn't have kids. And it hit me while we were talking about Jack, this Jack, every single one of those things she described could be ill, could, could, could also fall in the category of self-care sleeping in could be fall into the category of self-care sitting and binge watching TV shows, getting the, the favorite type of coffee or food that you want. That could all be categorized as self-care. And yet that woman's world was wrapped up in herself was wrapped up in not thinking about any, I mean, she was literally boasting about the fact that she didn't have kids because she, and, and, and because of that, she got to do all the things that she was doing to me, that perfectly illustrates what we're talking about here. And again, Joe, I'm curious what, what you know, where you fall on this, that that's, that's what I hear. And that's what I see when I think I'm not, I'm not talking about all self-care, but I'm talking about the emphasis on self-care. That's what I think of. Well, and the thing where she's got to get on on TikTok and tell you, I'm not, I'm not miserable. I'm, I'm really happy this way. Like, yeah, that's that's usually right. what well, happens. I'm sure you are. Do. But it always <laughs> there was this uh, clip from The Simpsons. I, not, I didn't spend a lot of time watching The Simpsons, but it was this nerdy guy, 
and he was bragging to Homer Simpson. He says, I sleep in a big race car bed. Do you? And Homer just kind of goes, no, no, I just, I sleep in a big bed with my wife, you know, like, Oh, <laughs> bummer. I don't have the race car bed, but it's kind of like, yeah, I mean, that's it. And, and so like, yeah. And that's what I see when I see this woman. Well, I went to the Beyonce concert, like, cool. That's the other one. Yeah. You know, I watched a stupid movie made for kids with my kids and they loved it. And we had a big old time, you know, like, why is that better than this? But uh, yeah. th- this is the point I was going to make. And then we'll side get, note. Get I can't think show. of anything, anything less enjoyable than a Beyonce concert. Sorry. Go ahead. True. True. Yeah. yeah it's <laughs> in her misery in herself. Um, what I was going to say is some people remember playing the old video game, the Sims, and it's where you had like this created human being and you live their life and you'd get a job and you'd build a house and you'd try and, you know, you're just living an avatar life. I mean, that was the point of the game. We've turned ourselves into that. You know, yeah. your social media is a, it is your SIM. It's like this little figurine of yourself that you're setting out there. And, and it's very interesting, yeah. you know, trying to yeah. present that as something, project that as something because it's all individualism and everybody has that little figurine and you're trying to get that figurine noticed. You're trying to get that figurine loved and, and that that figurine receives so many likes a day and all of those things. And you think, man, if, if I get to the top of that pinnacle where my little figurine gets 10,000 likes a day and, and it's successful and, and all that, that well, and when you win the game of Sims and, and your little Sim is a millionaire and, and everything goes great, you turn it off and you still got to face your real life. And I think everything that we build on the individualism thing and the self-care, oh boy, your, your little Sim, you made him happy by, by taking him out to a Beyonce concert or, you know, whatever it was. Okay. But you're not happy. And, and so yeah. like we are doing everything in service of our Sim, which is an individual when Such it's interconnectedness point. that makes us actually happy. It gives us purpose. You look at that woman's TikTok, which we found on Twitter, not TikTok people, just so everybody knows. Uh, we're, we still are very against the TikTok train. But um, that woman's video is devastating because it's like, what is your life? You can wake up late on your Saturday and you can watch all the TV shows in the world until the day you die. What a worthless existence. And your life and amounted gonna, to nothing. Right. I'm going to say, what a worthless existence. And not only is it I got to watch a, a movie with my kids, it's like my bloodline's going to, Lord willing, continue for 500 years. Yours is going to die off while you get to watch your favorite TV show on Saturday. He's got a race. Stop being man. a kid. I mean, that's but that's, that's exactly it. Like, wow, I got, I got all of this cool stuff. And you lack purpose. You have no direction in your life and nothing that's really worth getting out of bed for, like kids, like a spouse, things like that. It's just meaningless. And that's... But here's what I'll say, and this is interesting because I probably disagree with you a little bit, Will, only in the fact that I think if self-care was done well, if self-care really was what it was intended to be, I do think it could solve the problem. I think you have a lot of people that do self-loathe, and that's why they have the sim, the avatar, what you're talking about, Jack. I think they don't like themselves. They are deeply unhappy with being alone, and therefore they do all of those things to prove to themselves that they're not. Self-care looks like what you're talking about getting around other people that is self-care. And so it's, it's a, it's a, you know, and you, to your point, Will, that's the only way I would disagree. I think you and I are on the same page. It's just how we use the term. If we use the term from the world's ways, self-care is a selfish lover of self. That's really what comes that, that woman's TikTok comes to mind, like brings to mind second Timothy three, verse two, in the last days, there'll be lovers of self. That's exactly what it is. You are not thinking about anybody else. However, if you define self-care as getting what you need, what you would recognize is my life is very worthless and I can't stand being alone. However, here's where the therapist in me comes in. If you don't like being alone, you need to figure out why. There's a difference between being alone and loneliness. 
And if, if the only way we feel the loneliness is by being around people all the time, 24 seven, there will inevitably be times where you are alone. Your spouse can't go into the bathroom and do everything with you. There will be times when you are alone with yourself. Do you like who you, who you are? Self-care comes in when you start to really work on who are you really? And why do you not like yourself? And this is the self-loathing that we're seeing time and time and time again. And all of the things we get from social media are informing us, we are not enough. I'm not enough. I don't like myself. Porn addiction is rampant when people are alone. Loneliness is, is a huge trigger. Why? Because we don't like who we are. When we look in the mirror, we don't like who we are. So how in the world am I going to love my spouse appropriately when I hate who I am? Therefore, I end up being selfish to try to overcome my hatred of self. I'm trying to love myself, quote unquote, by doing all of these things and everybody's getting left in the dust. In reality, I need to let the love of Christ permeate my life and work through why I don't like myself, which is why I'm a trauma-informed therapist. A lot of the times we have trauma, we have attachment wounds, things like that, that cause us to feel like I really don't amount to much. I'm not worth very much at all. Would Do we tell ourselves this like consciously? No. It's all subconscious, but this is why people are so fidgety and can never be alone. This is the importance of self-care is really getting to the bottom of why can't you be lonely? Why can't you be alone without being lonely? Why can't you live in your head for two seconds without having to fill it with junk, fill it with social media, fill it with, with Netflix, or fill it even with people, even with people? Like, why can't you do that? And when you learn to love yourself and learn that it's okay for me to be alone, I'm not lonely, I'm alone. I'm alone with God. Be still and know that I am God. That's really where it comes from. When we get that, then we start inviting people into our circle and it's less done from a selfish way of, I need them to stop my mind from reeling. And it's more of, I genuinely want them. I want relationship. And that's the difference, in my opinion, of where the world goes south. They need yeah. all of these things. I don't think we should need any of it. I think we should want people. I think we should want to do certain things, but God is the only thing that we need. You can go back to the beginning in the garden but I was just preaching on this last night. Well, Adam needed Eve. God saw the need. Adam didn't actually see it. And what does God do after he recognizes the need in 2.18? He create or he brings all the animals for Adam to name. So, so Adam would say, wow, I don't have anybody that's like me. I want someone like me. God created the want in Adam. He, God recognized the need, not Adam. He created the want in Adam. Therefore, I want Eve. And when I want Eve, I will continually come after my wife and, and, and chase her and be, you know, the man that I need to be and, and take dominion and everything else because I want this person next to me. I really do think that all good relationships are formed out of want and not need, in think, my opinion. And it's the same way. I think there's a Mary and Martha element to this of, you know, obviously Martha going and going and going and going and, and kind of like you were saying, you can't be alone, can't stop, can't. And I think this is something that I think runs in our family a little bit, Joe, of like, you feel like if you're not working, not not doing something of value, like oh, I've got to get up and do something. I can't I can't sit still. Even, you know, football game commercial breaks, I'll get up and, you know, clean clean up the, the plates, clean, you know, get something going in the kitchen. Right. Like I, I gotta gotta be doing something, gotta be doing something. And so the ability to just sit still, which is what you see with Martha of, well, Jesus is here. I've got to have this place clean. I gotta get this ready. I gotta get this. I gotta do that. I gotta do that. I don't think anybody would call it self self-care to go sit at Jesus's feet. Right. And in a sense, in the way some people mean it, it is, but in another sense, it's, it's just more, I don't know, uh, taking a break, uh, you know, like prioritizing or whatever it may be. And so I don't know, I feel like the self-care terminology really shades this in a, a negative direction. Yes, it's been tainted. Sure. The self-care would be, like you said, prioritizing. 
prioritizing what you need, not what you want. Martha wanted to go make everything look. She wanted to be busy. What you need, Martha? You needed to be like Mary and go sit at Jesus's feet. Self-care in that moment would have been her stopping what she's doing and just going and being with Jesus. That's what she needed in the moment. But you're right. It's been tainted so much by the world that I don't think we have a proper- To where it's just about even dopamine like. chasing. That's really what, what it is for a lot of people. So let's get to the church's teaching on, on self-care um, because we've spent a lot of time describing- this is kind of the way the world paints it. This is, and these are the problems with it again, kind of thus the reason for my kind of negative association with it. And Joe, I, I do see your point that listen, you frame it the right way and you define it the right way that it can be extremely valuable and could even, you could even call it the cure. How does the church fit into this? Um, because we have teachings like, and we, I think we've hit this point before on a previous podcast, but we'll hit it again. Love your neighbor as yourself. Well, what does the, as yourself imply there does that imply i mean you would you would imagine and you would surmise based on the grammatical structure of the sentence that love your neighbor as yourself implies that you have some level of love for yourself otherwise you're not going to be able to love your neighbor appropriately um even with the golden rule do unto others as you would have them do unto you implies that you know what you would want to be done to you and so there there's a bit of i guess self focus even within those two commandments obviously the general focus is hey other people other people love other people. But again, as yourself implies, there is some level of, of focus on yourself there. And so I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on, first of all, that kind of concept, but also kind of the way the the church treats this, this I guess, topic of discussion, self-love, self-care. I can count on approximately zero fingers the amount of sermons I've ever heard on it. I can, you know, count on zero fingers the amount of classes I've ever, you know, unless maybe I sat through one of Joe's classes one time. So maybe one finger. I don't, I don't even know if if you've done that before, Joe. But if you have, I know I'm, I'm sure I sat through it at Jackson Temple. We don't talk about it. Is the point? It, it does not get a lot of coverage. It does not give a lot get a lot of press. And I I do think it is kind of viewed as worldly i do think it is viewed as something that the world thinks about and therefore we need to have no no association with it really what are your guys' thoughts on i guess that but then also in the ideal world what should the church be doing about it should should we have sermons on it should we be talking a lot more about it um what are y'all's thoughts on that and the way the church currently handles it versus the way the church we believe should handle it yeah take that one you want me to I've been talking about you, you roll with it and then I'll tell you why you're wrong. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, okay. I think we should be talking more as a church about it, but it's really about, and we have had sermons on finding joy. Uh, I just find a lot of them to kind of be left in the practicality side of things of like, just found joy in Christ. Like, Oh, wow. I, I didn't know that. Like, okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? It, I think we need to, to have some practical ideas of what that looks like. I do think that, you know, Philippians 2, I'll read this. I had this on the outline. Philippians 2, 3, and 4 says, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Um, and the merely actually is added. Uh, I don't know if that's that, that's italicized in my uh, NASB here. Do not merely look out. So it really would just say, do not look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. I think the also cause, causes the merely to be added. Uh, the idea is, yeah, you do have to, I mean, if you're killing yourself and you're not going to be much good to help, to help other people, but yeah, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit. I don't have any problem with that. I, I don't think my understanding of self-care goes against that idea of doing nothing from selfishness or empty conceit. 
matter of fact, I, I don't know that I want to get into this discussion immediately, but I do have problems with Jesus, others, yourself, joy, right? The joy principle, Jesus, others, yourself. That is great in a lot of ways. I understand yourself comes last, but the problem is, and, and this is where I think Jack and I would probably disagree. You can't give others what you don't have. So if you don't have um, a, a proper respect for yourself, if you don't have a proper love for yourself, if you are busy self-loathing, that is a form of self-love that's not appropriate. Self-loathing is selfish way more than self-love is selfish in my opinion. Um, it's, it's, you talk about focusing on yourself a lot. And so what we end up doing is Jesus, others, yourself, I just give and give and give and give and give. And when I give, I expect them to love me in return and that will tell me I'm worthy of love. Well, hold on a second. How well, is that see, not selfish? Who is who's at the pinnacle of that then? It is yourself. Right. So it's, so so Jesus, it's not others, Jesus, others, yourself. It is using Jesus, others, yourself as a guise for yourself, others, Jesus, or yourself, Jesus. Others. Like you're still number one in that. And, and it's, it's I agree. a twisted way to make yourself seem like you're putting everybody else first. But it's all about you in the end. And so you're not actually practicing because I think Jesus, others, yourself is Philippians 1. 18 ish through two four which is to live as christ and to die as gain all the way up through sure. consider others more important than yourself is is part of how you live for christ and so i i mean you're right that there's the, there's the, a lot of people that live ostensibly putting others first but it is only because what they're getting out of it right this this is the the why and the point i made earlier a lot of this would be solved if you simply think about yourself less this is why, again, I think the the added focus on self care and the the more infinite. I mean, what is it? What is it? It's it's more navel gazing. It's more considering yourself and yourself and yourself. And again, I'm not anti, you know, considering yourself. I mean, I think there is a difference between self interest and selfishness. All of us are self interested to some extent. I think we have to be. And again, I, I I'm not saying that you can't ever have any time to yourself and any boundaries whatsoever. My only point is, I read Philippians two here. I you know I read a lot of the New Testament. The point seems to be, think about yourself less. The more you think about Christ, the more you think about others, and the less you think about yourself, the better. And in the current self-care uh, push, I guess, I don't see that. I, and you know, and the Jesus others yourself thing, I'm not really sure where I fall on it. I do know the New Testament seems to teach, think about yourself less. That is the goal. That is what we should be striving for is, sure, self-interest. Make sure you're provided for. Make sure your family's taken care of. But man, spend your time on this earth thinking and serving Christ, thinking and serving others. And yourself does seem to come last there. I, th I think, I think one of Jesus the other things is, is ideal. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's the right thing. And and again, where it goes wrong is where people are doing a cynical version of that to still put themselves first. But on the idea of loving yourself, you know, the, uh, the second grace command, love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, and so a lot of times people go, well, that means you really got to love yourself properly. No, I think he's talking about what is innate in you. And and Ephesians 5 shows this as well when he says, yeah. you know, husbands with your wives. Uh, nobody ever, nobody hates his own flesh. And it's kind of the thing of when I'm hungry, I go eat. I don't have to be taught that. Now, that, I mean, there are people who are so messed up that they don't even go eat. Okay, that that is a that, that's a messed Mental. up thing in there. But that that yeah. is that's pretty rare. Most people, to some degree, are going to get themselves what they need. They're, they And so I think what Jesus is drawing on when he says, love your neighbor as yourself, is you spend all day thinking about yourself. You spend all day doing what you need for yourself. Do that for somebody else. This is not something you have to develop. This is not, well, do I love myself enough to go love others first? No, it's the part of yourself that you automatically 
spend all day in your own head thinking about yourself. That is exactly what Will's saying. Think about other people the way you think about yourself because you already do that. That's not something that's developed. That's your nature. The other thing about this, and Joey, then you can hop in here, is, and man, goodness, I'm not trying to denigrate anybody who has you know, the mental health struggles that come along with this self-love, self-care. Like, I'm not trying to just absolutely denigrate them. At the same time, you re I mean, it, Christians should have every reason in the world to have a proper view of themselves. You know why? Because God saved us. Because God views us as worthy. Because God loved us so much that he literally gave us a path to heaven that we could never earn of ourselves. That, I mean, just... Read Ephesians 2 if you're ever struggling with with feeling bad about yourself. And, you know, sure, that's an oversimplification. But my point is we should always have the proper perspective of viewing ourselves in, in the appropriate way, viewing ourselves as worthy, viewing ourselves as worthy of as worthy of love because of God's love, not because of anybody else. Sure, those things can be secondary. But I guess my point is, and Joe, we got at this in a gym episode recently, that that's got to be the foundation. And if it is the foundation, I think you're perfectly set up to go love your neighbor as yourself because you properly understand the way God views you and that you are worthy of love. And that's why you you look at yourself and you're like, yeah, I am worthy. You know, I, I am this. I am that. It's not a an arrogant. It's not a boastful thing. It's no it, it's viewing yourself the way God views you. And that ought to propel you to go and do that for other people. Does that make sense? Like that to Absolutely. me, it has to be at the foundation of every Christian's perspective on this concept of self-love. Well, and that's why I say, you know, I do identity rings and your identity with God is at the core. I have your identity, like your relationship with yourself second before anybody else. And that may be going against what you guys are saying. But to my point, if you understand how God loves you and you understand that you are worthy, worthy of love, not based on anything you've done, how much more can you love others? You don't need them to right. treat you well to love them. You don't need them to do anything for you to love them because I've been loved in a way that I can't even begin to imagine. And because of that, I'm brimming with love. And this is the self-love concept, in my opinion, from God is, I don't know why I'm worthy of love. That's that's from God. Like why he sent Christ to die for me. That is That is just the love of the Father exuding through me. And if I've been loved that way, how in the world could I self-loathe? How in the world could I, you know, Know, say, oh, I'm worthless. And to Jack's point, if I don't get up from the couch and start doing things, if I'm working, I just really feel worthless about myself. Where we go wrong is when we try to fill that worthlessness, in my opinion, with just going out and doing a bunch of things, because ultimately it's selfish. It's to what Jack's saying, where we've inverted it. We are going and doing a bunch of things. We're going out and helping others to inform ourselves we're worthy of love. Those don't inform nothing. God informs you you're worthy of love. You get that one right and you'll love others appropriately. You'll love others as you love yourself. If you don't, if you are working from a place of a deficit, everything you do is trying to inform you you're worthy of love. This person loved what I did. Therefore, I must be a good person. No, no. God is what makes you good, not anything else. And from that, you can then go do good things and never expect a thing in return from them and still do good things because coming from God, not from them. Does that make sense? It does, but not to keep beating a dead horse here. That's where I think the self-love, self-care thing is is off base because what does that 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 concept teach? It teaches you need God and a bunch of other things. You need God sure. and you need your time alone. You need God and you need your your boundaries and you need all these things. And and it to me again, it just fosters this atmosphere of okay, sure, God's sort of enough, but I also need all these other things to 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 go my way. And essentially there's a lot of obstacles in front of me, and once I get past all those, that's when I can, you know, I properly self-love. Again, this world is rough. There's a lot of things that, that I mean, people have have messed up parents and messed up, you know, childhoods. And Joe, you deal with that 
course, you know that better than either one of us. At the same time, again, I just think with with God as the foundation should be the fuel to, to properly propel us past all of the, well, I just got to have this and I got to have this and I got to have this and then I will love myself. Does that make sense? Like, I think the self-love and self-care concept it kind of pushes the idea for Christians. You got to have God, but then you also got to have a bunch of other things and then you're good. I don't necessarily I would think say, that's the case. But I would say God's the foundation. However, there are times where you do need to be alone and be quiet and be still and know that he is God. Sure, Jesus did. Yeah, I agree with that. Where you, correct. There are times. And that's what I say is Jesus was a master at self-care. Jesus didn't heal 24-7, 365. Jesus right. had times where he gave and gave and gave and gave. But it's like, you know what? I need to go into the boat and sleep. That's that's what I need in this moment. Nobody looks at Jesus as selfish for that. It's like the guy gave everything. However, I need to go be with my father. I need to go pray. I'm going to go into the wilderness for 40 days. Well, Jesus, why don't you start your ministry immediately? I know what I need. I need time to reconvene with my father and, and in the right path. That's my point is that's what self-care looks like is this is what I need in this. Moment. It's not I need to go binge eight hours of Netflix. Correct. I think, I think it's I agree the term with that, that I hate there. We say, well, Jesus practiced self-care and it's like, that spectrum is exactly what we'll say. Treat yourself, you know, like eight hours of Netflix <laughs> versus I'm going to go pray to the father or I, I just need a break from ministering to all these people to get away. I need to go eat. I mean, like some sometimes self-care for some people is literally is making sure you are, have eaten and slept. And 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 so I, I hate calling that self-care because it's in the same box to some people as all these other things. And it's like because the other thing is self-care is such a recent invention where it's like, that was just natural. That was again what you're saying. What do I what do I actually need to function and get up and, and do it the next day? And for some people, they get to the point where they can really make it. I just need my my bath with my candles with my, you know, da, 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 da. I, I just need it's, my spa day once a month or else I'm not like you don't need that. You, I mean, you might enjoy You know what it, it reminds like, me of? And this is a very minor thing, but all those people that early in the morning they might say something dumb or be in a bad mood and they're like just because I haven't had my coffee yet. I've just got to have my coffee. It's like, you don't need your coffee to be a nice person or to not (laughs) say something stupid. You know what I mean? Like, don't use that as your excuse. Again, that's very minor, but that that's what made me think of that. Jack is kind of fruit of the same tree, but we also have to recognize, and this is where I I, I give a little pushback in the fact that everybody's operating out of burnout. And we say we should focus on others more. I almost disagree with you in the fact that I think we're focused on others poorly and in the wrong way, but we're focused on others more than anybody has ever been in the history of the world. Because I can get on social media and I know what everybody's doing at all hours of the day. I'm not close to anyone. I mean, not me. I'm close to you guys, my family and such, but like, we're not close to anyone, but we know everything about everyone. Therefore we feel like we are, and we're more connected and we're more thinking about other people than ever in history but not, in not in a beneficial time. way, not in a serving way. But no, just no, no, no. I, I agree in, with in you. A, well, in a selfish way of like when I go on Facebook, I don't go to those, you know, you don't get on to social media. <laughs> how can I serve them? <laughs> yeah, it's the idea of like, okay, how can I get their attention and their their adoration? I and agree. Like that's it's all, we, it's that's all the selfish thing I was talking about. And so it's not, I, I wouldn't call that focused on others. I would call that trying to use others as a mirror for myself. But I still think we're thinking about think we're thinking about what other people are doing we're thinking about things in the past i need to think feeding my family and i need to think about going to work and and not losing my job nowadays we're thinking about 10 million people on the planet yes i agree with you not in a good way but my point is i think a lot of people are operating from burnout that's why we've given rise to the self-care is like you need to think about yourself for a second 
in a roundabout way, they've been thinking about themselves all along. The reason why I want to reclaim self-care is you start thinking about yourself appropriately, which is aligning yourself with God. I realize why you're, you're squeamish to use it with Jesus, but that's what I'm talking about is getting what you need. You did not need to get on Facebook and, and doom scroll for the last two hours trying to figure out what everybody else in their life is doing. You needed to get on the phone and call a really good friend and talk for two hours and connect with them. So yes, you're thinking about others in an appropriate way. And I do agree with that. But I think we are, are burnt out with everyone around us. What I would say to really is get back to almost primitive times. Get back to when the lights go off, you turn your phone off. You get that out of your room. Go back to all of the things of which, yes, I know. Ted all right, Kaczynski, Ted, yeah. I, I was going to say, <laughs> I I can see the Unibar. But we get back to really the way things were before all of this. In my opinion, that's the best form of self-care you can you can possibly have. You read my mind, Joe. That's exactly what I was going to ask you is practically speaking, because I, 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 I'm I aligning with you on, okay, you're not talking about the way the world defines self-care. You're talking about actual self-care. And right. so I was going to ask you, practically speaking, what does that look like? Because you're talking about burnout and stuff like that. Man, I hear, I, I totally agree. Like, trust me, there there are days that I feel burnt out of, man, I just, I, I need a minute. I need, I need something. And where the world sees, again, the I need Netflix, I need a Beyonce concert, I need my coffee, whatever. What is it practically speaking? You just hit at some of those and I'll, I'll list a few. And then if you want to maybe give a few more, Jack, hop in there. Sure. I do think there are a lot of Christian, and I'll, I'll just use my perspective, husbands and fathers that need to, that their self-care, practically speaking, is dinner around the table with their family away from their family. Dinner right. at home, not dinner out to eat, but dinner at home around the table with their family. For some, I do think it's after the kids have gone to bed, sitting on the couch with your wife and having a conversation and actually talking, having a face-to-face conversation. That's that's not the the glamorous version of self-care. I think that's self-care. Obviously, I think, man, if, if you, when you can find the time, 30 minutes in, in God's word and 30 minutes in prayer. Again, not very glamorous, not necessarily the dopamine hit. That is self-care. I think there, there's a lot of things. And maybe you could even say sitting down with a book and, and, and reading. You could even call that self-care. Do you get what I'm getting? You see what I'm getting? There yeah. are there are certain practical things that we don't really think of when we're talking about self-care that, again, eating dinner with your family, taking time, just having a conversation with your wife, spending half an hour, you know, in God's word, going for a walk, you know, with your kids outside, playing with them outside. It's not the dopamine hit. It's not glamorous. It's not the, the Netflix binges. To me, when we're talking about self-care, that's the proper practical examples of self-care to avoid the burnout, to set the boundaries of, you know, this is this is how I'm going to spend my Tuesday night or whatever. This is how I'm going to spend the next two hours. That's what I think it properly looks like. Hit the gym, focus on yourself, make Yeah, make that's a great meals, one. You know, get in bed on time and put the phone outside the room where you're not tempted to just scroll and scroll. Like get to sleep and actually get appropriate sleep so you can get up in the morning so you can have your coffee with your wife and study the Bible together. That's self-care. We look at self-care as well. I needed this. I needed that. And I needed to scroll on, you know, my self-care time is just watching Netflix until midnight. Yeah. And then you can't get out of bed at six when, you know, before your kids get up to have that time with your wife. That's not self-care. That's selfishness. Self-care in this situation would be put the Netflix down, pray with your wife before bed, go to bed, get up early and have that time with her. That's going to be the, that's going to give you the biggest bang for the buck. And that's going to help you feel in control of your life. Remember the whole point of man is to take dominion. That's why God created us, to rule and to take dominion. When we're not ruling ourselves well, because we're too busy on Netflix, we're too busy doing all sorts of stupid stuff, you know, scrolling social media endlessly, that's not self-rule. 
our job is to rule everything within our dominion or everything within our, our purview to rule it and to rule it well. Self-care is what's going to help me be the best ruler of my domain. And if that's getting in bed on time, put everything down and get in bed on time. If that's picking up that book that your wife put on your nightstand that she's been begging you to read for the last three months, read it. That self-care to me is doing what you need, not always what you want, but doing what is going to help you glorify God, what's going to help you be more like Christ, and what's going to help you rule over the things that God has put in your, your domain. So those are the type of things. And from a woman's perspective, this is where you get into the bath and everything else. Sometimes a woman's been around the kids all day. Put the kids down. Husband, just talk with your wife. Hold her, hug her. That is her form of self-care. We look at it as she just needs to go take a two-hour bath. No, Me time, right? Yeah, me time. <laughs> I understand the need for some me time type of thing from time to time where, hey, sometimes you're just burnt out. I get it. At the same time, you need to be very, very intentional. The person who takes a bath every single day because she's got to get away from the kids. Come on. You know, and what frustrates me in that is you think the husband has been messing around all day at work. You think he, he you know, was just that's all his me time because he got to go to work. No, neither of you. How about you have we time? How about you get together and really do something together after the kids go to did you come bed. up with that like, yourself? That's pretty good. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> think about it in the moment. But I think those are the things that are important. The the discussion, and Jack, I want to kick it to you, but the one discussion we did not have, and I know for sake of time, I don't want to get, get into it too much, but is the idea of boundaries because these are abused right and left. Because some people say, I need boundaries. I need boundaries. That's self-care is setting boundaries. Talk about a spectrum, man. You have the boundaries of like, I can't possibly take on one more project because I'm losing time with my family. I'm losing sleep. I don't even have time to eat. Yet you better at saying no to people. And a lot of times that comes from, if I say no to people, they'll hate me. And it goes back to self. Whereas you have the other people that are like, oh, boundaries. I can't possibly, uh, you know, say yes to so-and-so at, at, at church. She really needs this from me. And she's really, you know, basically this, I'm, I'm never going to do anything I don't want. And I can exactly make it sound it. like I'm, I'm taking care of myself by calling it a boundary. That's so <laughs> rampant. Oh, little miss so-and-so had surgery at church. You know, it's just a boundary of mine. I can't do anything on Tuesday nights. I just need to sit home and watch Netflix. That's just a boundary of mine, you know? And so I really take the meal to so get over yourself, right? Like this, that's, we abuse the same way as self-care. It's got a real bad connotation. Boundaries are starting to have that connotation. Cloud and Townsend had a well, really book on boundaries. That was appropriate. That was proper. We have blown that way out of proportion to anything I don't want to do to your point, Jack. That's really dangerous. Yeah, it's it's a sprinting away from obligations, essentially. And we were talking about it before we started, like flakiness is the way that I put it. And that's one of the biggest pet peeves that I have in people is just, you know, the agreeing to something and then backing out because of boundaries or, you know, I mean, I just I really need this time and whatnot. And yeah, Joe, to your point, the people who are overspent, like, like Joe, if, if, if I invited you to dinner and then you called and you were like, listen, man, it's been a, an insane day. You know, can we reschedule? I'm not going to look at you and be like, man, you flake because you, you barely have time to, to sit down. Like, well, you sit down for your job, but you know what I mean? Like <laughs> you, you, you have a lot of time to sit down. No, what I mean is you have time you, to stand up. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's more accurate. Uh, yeah. You know, Joe works all the time is my point. Joe does not have a lot of time to himself. And so I get it. There are people that use the boundaries excuse or use the even the self-care thing, which tied into this, just to basically never do anything that they want to do. Or if they're, quote unquote, not feeling it, ah, I'm not really feeling it. I'm just, you know, I, I, I can't do this or that. Hashtag that's such a yeah, that's so, that's such a bad character trait and such a bad quality in people. And man, young people get all the hate. There's a lot of 
38, 40 year old people, you know, adults that are, that are very guilty of this, that that that's kind of their mindset. "Ah, I don't really want to do it. I'll flake out of it. This is one of the dangers of therapy speaking. I I think especially for Christians, but I mean, it's, it's, everyone does it is none of these terms have strict definitions. And so because they can sound scientific or even medical and have a proper application as we've established self-care if defined properly actually has a proper you know application but when it's i do whatever i want or i just go binge or spend however much money i want and i mean just basically every therapeutic term you could throw in this trauma oh i've just got trauma like maybe that means your dad beat you maybe that means somebody looked at you funny i mean like the 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 spectrum is so broad for that um toxic we've talked about before oh well that's just a toxic person it might mean somebody who like is trying to undermine you actively and destroy your life or it might mean somebody who said, Hey, somebody who gets on your nerves or even somebody who told you 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 were wrong. Yeah. Narcissist. Everybody who I don't like is a narcissist. And I mean, just all of these terms, uh, again, they like, they actually have a narrow, useful definition. And because that is a, a technical definition that, that is useful, but people don't use that or they don't know that. And so it becomes whatever I want. And so boundaries is one of these of like, there actually is a real useful boundary, uh, a real proper use of the term, but it just can become anything and everything you want. And so I think this stuff is incredibly dangerous because it gives people a legitimacy that otherwise it's like, no, you're just being selfish. And I mean, like, yeah. as, as Will saying, all you're doing is thinking about yourself and you found clinicalized terms to make it sound like you're, you're doing something positive there. And, and so I think like that's, be very careful how to use any any one of these terms that we've been talking about. I think coming back around to it, and the point that I would leave on, I think, as we're looking to wrap up, you know, when it comes to Jesus, others, yourself, and loving others, and, and loving yourself, self-care, and all of these things, I would run it through the filter of, is this the way that, that God would love me? You know, is this, like, if Christ were next to me, is this what he would want me to do? What would Jesus do? That's that's exactly what it comes down to, the little bracelet and everything. If that's what you got to wear, what would Jesus do? Would Jesus want you to put the phone down and get in bed so you could better serve your family in the morning? Yeah, yeah, he probably would. Would Jesus want you to duck out of that obligation that you swore that you were going to do, but you're just not really feeling it tonight? No, I think Jesus would say, let your yes be yes, let your no be no. If If you made the commitment, you show up for that. And when we, how would Jesus love somebody else? If the love, and, and we can really go down the rabbit trail of, am I doing it for the right reasons? Better to just love people and then figure out the reasons later. However, if you're finding yourself getting burnt out because you're just constantly giving and giving and giving, and giving, why are you giving? Are you giving in the way that Christ gave, which is fully, completely selflessly, where he, he had no, he wasn't, you know, didn't consider equality with God a thing to be grasped, Philippians 2. So, are you giving in that way or are you looking for something in return? And if you find that a lot of your self-care or a lot of your, even your interactions with others are really hoping to come back around to make you feel more worthy of love, that's the wrong reason. You have to do it from, I've been loved beyond anything I can imagine, not off anything I've done. Therefore, I'm going to love them, not off anything they do. It has to exude from there and you don't burn out when it's, when it's really rooted and grounded in God. So that's just a litmus test. If you're worried about that, if you're worried about loving others, is this the way Jesus would love them? If you're worried about self-care, is this what Jesus would have me do in this moment? Uh, And I really do think that by and large, that litmus test will work pretty much every single time. 
that was a great way else? to wrap. Yeah, yeah. No, that was no, very I've, well I've said. I got a whole other tangent I could go on that would kick us off twenty more minutes. We don't have time. For oh that. man, so maybe well, save, deep, save it for the end. deep end. There yeah. you go, deep end. Talk about the movie, The Truman Show. So, oh, there, whoa, there's some interesting stuff and in, uh, application. Yeah. Anyway, gotta brush up on some stuff. Sounds like <laughs> you haven't seen that one. You haven't seen that the Truman Show? Oh, that's good, one. dude. Y'all know at this point, if you name a classic movie, I probably have not. Seen it. <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> that's one of those that honestly, like, it's it's a fine movie. It's not my favorite movie, not the greatest movie, or whatever. I almost think you need to, like, yeah, for, almost for required under, watching because it's very applicable to things like this. But yeah, like I said, I'll save that for the deep end, and uh, we'll push that to Friday. Um, Focus Plus subscribers, get your comments in. Uh, but anywhere, anywhere, our Facebook page, our YouTube, uh, unbeknownst, unfortunately, to some of the, the deep thinkers, when you comment on Facebook or YouTube, it might show up in a deep end episode. We might discuss it even uh, even though it's uh, exclusive to Focus Plus. So we always appreciate the comments and it makes us think a little bit more about our takes. And so uh, keep those coming. Focus. Let us know your uh, your season rankings too. Oh, that's, that's true. always I interesting. I forgot. <laughs> are you a little? Are you like Harrison with your your fireplace all warmed up and ready to go? <laughs> your your maple cinnamon drinks and and baked goods. No pumpkin. Um, candle next to your bath, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, Harrison's practicing self care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's perfect. That's what he needs. Yep. <laughs> all right. We'll wrap right there. Talk to you guys next time. Thank you.